Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. People talk about networking a lot of times outside of the firm. I always say you really want to get to know the people within the organization because that's how you find out what projects are going on, who are the resources that can help you with things. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from our guest this week, Sylvester Johnson, or Sly for short, the Chief Accounting Officer for Whataburger. For those of you that are not in the southern U.S., Whataburger is a massive organization with somewhere around 700 restaurants spanning several states. They're very active in the local communities and really just overall a highly respected company. I was fortunate to get some time with Sly. He has a big job there at Whataburger. This episode also returns us to talking about industry accounting a little bit, since many of our recent episodes have highlighted public accounting careers. Sly started in public accounting, as many people did back then, but for the last 20 years or so, he's been moving up within corporate America with some very well-known, large, name-brand organizations. If you're looking to move up in accounting within a large entity, Sly has some excellent insights to share with you in this particular interview. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Sly Johnson, CAO at Whataburger. Well, hello, Sly. Thank you so much for taking the time to schedule this. I know you have a hectic schedule, so I really appreciate you making the time for our audience. My pleasure. I always enjoy the opportunity to talk about careers and what people can do in the accounting profession. Beautiful. Well, one of our former guests had actually suggested you for the show, and I've been looking to balance out our episodes a little bit. We've had several people from public accounting recently, which is good, but it's time to have someone from industry, or at least that, you know, for the last several years has been in industry, and you've really worked at some large, well-known brand-name companies, so I I think your perspective is going to be really beneficial for our listeners that are looking to build their career in industry, so to speak. I still want to start at the beginning, though, like we usually do. What influenced you to pursue accounting as a career in the first place? Well, it's a very interesting story, Mark. It started with, I really just wanted to be in business as I was in high school and going to school on the bus. So all these gentlemen carrying their briefcases and in their suits and said, that's what I want to do, not knowing exactly what that was all about other than they were businessmen. And then once I got into the undergraduate program at Notre Dame majoring in business, I just started to have a liking to the accounting side of it and the opportunities as as it was presented and also the audit side as uh, several of my college buddies who were in business graduated and came and started talking more about accounting. It got my interest level up. 
Interesting. So it was just a, a general, were you a different major in the beginning? No, I actually was a business major, but you normally start out in the business school and you don't necessarily have to pick your major until later on as you start to concentrate on your hours, which probably has changed a little bit since I graduated, but it gave you that flexibility to see which particular curriculum or field of business you were interested in. And I just uh, enjoyed my accounting classes as well as my auditing class and thought that, hey, that was the right thing for me from a business perspective. Okay. So then you finish a bachelor's degree in accounting. Did you go through to a master's degree or? No, as a matter of fact, I went straight into public accounting. One of the things that I saw being an accounting major was that the opportunity, obviously, for industry or public accounting. I decided to go into public accounting because I saw one, the opportunity in public for you to migrate to industry at that time was very high, but it was a lot easier and more people started in public accounting and then migrated into industry. So I thought that was the right thing for me. I didn't go back and get my MBA till later in my career. Okay. Okay. What type of role did you start in? Were you an audit tax? I started in the audit uh, as a staff professional with, I'm going to age myself here with Coopers and Library, which is now PwC in the uh, audit arena as a staff auditor. Wonderful. Okay. What kind of engagements did you work on? You know, as things worked out, I was very fortunate. I worked in oil and gas industry, retail and insurance. And over the years, I stayed on the retail side and on the insurance side. In fact, as I worked on the insurance side, I was very fortunate in that I wound up working. I started my career in Dallas, but I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to help some insurance engagements in in New York. And then subsequently, I did a rotation where I worked for the insurance industry chairman for two years in Hartford, Connecticut. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, that seems like a lot of variety to be in retail, oil and gas, and insurance. Was that common at that No, it, was, it wasn't. Uh, it actually worked for me because one of the key things and one of the reasons I picked uh, PwC at the time was they didn't specifically put you into an industry when you started your career because I didn't know exactly what my interests were. But I was fortunate enough working in Dallas. There was a good amount of oil and gas clients, and I was luckily wound up getting scheduled, as you would imagine, as they utilized their assets. I wound up getting scheduled on some retail and insurance clients. And then once you're on there, you kind of have some ability to stay in subsequent years. And over time, you grew on those clients and you learned more and more about the industry. And I wound up having a heavy focus later on in the insurance industry. Okay. Interesting. Did you finish your time at PwC or Coopers, I guess, at the time up in Connecticut? or back No. As a matter of fact, I started my career in Dallas and I was working in the Dallas office when the opportunity came when I was recommended as a candidate to be the insurance industry chairman. So I spent two years up in Hartford, Connecticut working for the insurance industry chairman, but then I went back to Dallas. And this all started once I reached the manager level within the firm. And I wound up going back to Dallas as that was my home base. I I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to either stay in Hartford or work in New York or go back to Dallas. And I elected at that time to take advantage of the opportunities uh, that I had in Dallas, especially since I also had lived there previously. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm curious because it looks like online you stay with them for 10 years and you talked about the opportunity to migrate later. 
Did you originally see yourself staying in public accounting for 10 years? No, I think public accounting, I know my mindset, and I don't know if it's still the case. I was like, hey, my first objective was to get to the senior level where you were leading engagements and learning more about the auditing. And also, at a very young age in public accounting, you get the opportunity to lead people as part of the engagement team. So that was kind of my short-term perspective was, hey, I definitely would like to stay long enough to be in a lead role. And then I continued to look and say, hey, I really would like to make it to the manager level within the firm as I progress. That seems to be, and of course, when you're looking at this, you're always looking at the ultimate goal within public of getting to the partner level. So then once I realized that, hey, I do have an interest in staying with the firm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, I'm enjoying the people I'm working with, I aspired to get to the manager level. And I was fortunate, again, to, I had an inkling that, hey, I would wouldn't mind working in the national office because I saw good career opportunities there as far as preparing yourself as you got closer to partner, where one, you may have met more partners throughout the firm and also you would have continued a building of your credibility with the firm. So those were my thought processes as I progressed through the audit firm. Okay. Interesting. From what I understand from one of our other guests, I think it was Joey Tackett from Deloitte. He had spent some time at the national office for Deloitte. And at least from what I understand over there, it's a little competitive to be chosen for that. Yes, it is. It was. Uh, I felt uh, it was definitely a great sense of accomplishment to go into that role. And one of the things that I also felt very good about in that role was my predecessor had done an outstanding job in the role as the assistant to the industry chairman. So the bar was high and so when I went in there and I was able to be successful at the role, it was an additional sense of accomplishment that, one, I was selected for the role, and two, that I went in and was able to keep up the high standards that my predecessor had established. Okay. So you're at, was it still Cooper's at the time or was it? It was Cooper's. It didn't, uh, okay. they changed in the mid, like, 93, 94, I believe. Okay. So you're at, at Cooper's, the predecessor. You're a senior manager. What was behind the decision to ultimately leave? You talked about the possibility of being partner later on or the, that thought process. What caused you to decide that it's time to make the transition? Well, it was an interesting situation. When I was up in Hartford, I'd gotten a call from a recruiter about an opportunity with PepsiCo in Purchase, New York, to go in as an audit manager there. But at that time, I was migrating back or making my decision to migrate back to Dallas. But I was very intrigued by the process that, because as I talked to the recruiter, I said, you do know I'm in the insurance industry, and that's not the business that PepsiCo is in. But I like the proposition that is presented, which was, hey, we're bringing some people into the audit group, but we, don't, we can't teach them how to be auditors and lead groups, but we can teach them our industry, and that's why we would be looking at someone like you. Well, with that being said, I said, hey, this is not the right time. I'm not looking to do that. Well, about eight months later, I got a call from the same recruiter, but this time the opportunity was in Dallas with the corporate audit group in Dallas. So I thought it would be a great opportunity for me with the company of PepsiCo's caliber to learn more about the opportunity. And as I thought about it, I said, if I'm going to make a move in industry, I can't think of a better opportunity to go in with some of the skills that I developed and then learn what are the right roles within the organization that would interest me that I might be interested in. And then 
I also thought that, hey, if I did not necessarily think this worked for me, I could still go back into public accounting. So I thought that from a opportunity perspective, it was the best for me at that time to evaluate, hey, if I'm going to ever look at industry, this might be the right opportunity, and it worked out for me. Okay. What was the role at Pepsi? I went in as a corporate audit manager, and with PepsiCo, I was officed out of Dallas in the corporate audit group. And their audit group, which was one of the reasons I liked it, it was not a... It was a two to three year rotational position where you were in audit and that's where they wanted you to, you brought the audit skills and the leadership skills, but you learned the business and that's where after two to three years, you would roll into a finance part of the organization within PepsiCo. So that's why I thought it was great for me because I didn't immediately say, hey, what role do I want in industry? Hey, this is where I could learn about them. And again, if I did not think it was right for me, I could then go back to public accounting because I'd left in good standing and, and with good relationships with the folks there. The only thing I would have given up would have been time as far as making it to the partner level. Okay. Okay. You know, I was looking at your background from there on, and you've worked at some substantial organizations. Dallas Morning News. Thank you. Yes, definitely. 7-Eleven, a couple others I'm not familiar with, but that just sound large. And and obviously now you're a Whataburger. What should we know? Take us through those positions and those transitions, because I'm not really sure which ones to focus on, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I'll give you the quick, the five-minute snapshot. When I went to work with PepsiCo, I was in the corporate audit group. And as I said, I rolled out of that audit group and I took a role as a finance manager with what was then PepsiCo's distribution organization, PepsiCo Food Systems. But sometimes things happen in your career that are outside of your control. And one of the things that happened there was PepsiCo elected to spin off the restaurant operations, which was then Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC which started out as Tricom, but what is now known as Yum Brands. And while I was in that role, I became responsible for supply chain. But I'll back up just a bit, Mark, in the sense that one of the things that I realized at PepsiCo that I had to think about was when I was in public accounting, you did not need an MBA to progress to the partner level. But as I looked at all the different roles and the people who were doing things that interest me, many of them had their MBA. So when I made the move to the PepsiCo finance organization, I went back to get my MBA at that time. And so I did that. And while I was with Young Brands, I'd also thought, hey, that might have an interest in operations. But once I finished my MBA, I realized, hey, I'd like to stay closer to the finance component. And over time, I wasn't with PepsiCo, I was with Yum Brands, and then I became part of the supply chain organization. So I started looking at and listening to opportunities to get back closer to the CFO spec suite of opportunities and took a role with the Dallas Morning News in Dallas. And the good thing about that, not only was it a good opportunity from a career perspective, it got my family back from Louisville to Dallas. So did that, but Very quickly there, I got a call from the controller at 7-Eleven who was looking to find his replacement and had been told by partners at PwC that I might be a likely candidate who had just moved back. And luckily for me, it worked out and I made the move to 7-Eleven 
to take on his role as controller and stayed there, enjoyed that opportunity, and subsequently left. Did a little stint with a small startup company, but that was not for me. And so I wound up taking a role with Dex One, which was then R.H. Donnelly, a yellow page business. And I went in there to help them with, they were going through a bankruptcy and I went in to help them with that process. We completed that. And with that, I migrated to Bob Evans, where I went in to help that organization work through some accounting difficulties that they were having and working with the team and was about to make my move up to Columbus when I was extremely fortunate to get a call from Whataburger for this opportunity. And one, it was great for me because I knew Whataburger, two, it could, in lieu of moving to Columbus, it allowed me to move to back to Texas. And three, it's my first time working for a private entity, but it's always good to work for, to make a career change for the company that you know, people know, and you know is doing good things. Definitely. I have just a couple fill-in questions. I'm not yeah. familiar with Bob Evans. I, the name sounds familiar, but I don't know what they do. What, what is Bob, Bob Evans? Bob Evans is a restaurant company. They're very analogous to IHOP, Denny's, along those lines. Okay. Okay. They're in the Midwest. Okay. I've lived in San Antonio my whole life, so I I guess... No, you would not have heard of Bob Evans, but you may have heard of their sausage and side items. Okay. Okay. And it sounds like they're multi-state. Yeah, they're primarily in the Midwest, multi-state operator, food business. That's the bulk of the stores are in Ohio, Michigan, and then Florida, which is an interesting component. That's just where many of the retirees from Ohio migrate to Florida there. Okay. And with 7-Eleven, I mean, you were there for about seven years. That was the corporate office though, right? Yes. I was in Dallas at that time. Okay. How large an entity was that back then? At that time, 7-Eleven was about $12 billion in revenue. Uh, well, actually, it was Seven uh, Eleven was owned by a Japanese parent company who took it private into around two thousand six. Okay, and now you're at Whataburger. Yes. What's not to like about Whataburger? <laughs> no, when that opportunity came up, and I knew who the company was, and the fact that it was in San Antonio, it was hey, I've got to listen to see what they're trying to do here, and. Luckily for me, it was a good thing, not only from a career perspective, but it's also been great getting the family back to Texas. Yes, they're they're a great corporate citizen. They do a lot lot of things locally. Yeah, I can't see the color orange without getting a little hungry, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> so what is your role exactly with Whataburger now? I'm the chief accounting officer at Whataburger. I'm responsible for all of our accounting, all of our planning. And we have another group, which I call finance design, which is all of our projects and process organization that works with not only the finance team, but with other parts of the enterprise. Okay. You you mentioned this earlier that actually way back in your first few years at PwC, that as a senior, you'd have the opportunity to lead people. And then obviously as a manager as well. And it it sounded like that was something you were seeking. That's definitely paid off for you in, in these roles. Give us some of your insights on management, because I'm sure you've got some good advice to share in that area as well. What's your philosophy on what it takes to be a successful manager? 
Well, I think what I have kind of gleaned and has been worked for me is you have to be a good listener. People really appreciate it when they think that you are listening. They've been heard. Does not mean every decision that they make will be something that you will agree with. But if you listen, a lot of times it helps one, build credibility. Two, it helps with accountability. And three, it also allows people to, you can actually get better in some of your decision making by listening. I think the other thing has been try to get to know the people that work with you and for you because that helps break down any barriers of communication that the more you get to know people and recognize them more than just who they are from the role that they play within the organization, but get to know a little bit about them. I think it brings a level of camaraderie and willingness to go the extra you know, 100 yards when you do that. It also helps because then you are able to hold people accountable. And I think when they, one, realize that you listen to what they said, you've taken some effort to really get to know a little bit about them. And two, you're giving them the opportunity to be successful and you're going to hold them accountable. They don't feel like you're putting them out on an island to be successful, that you're part of the team and you're helping to drive them to be successful, but you're also holding them accountable. And last but not least, I always say you can't not have fun in what you're doing because if we do this far more than we're off, so you better have a level of enjoyment and hopefully that comes across in how you lead the team and the things that you do with the team, that there's a level of fun and excitement, recognition and celebration. Okay. Now, I totally agree. I think you've got to get to know your team a little bit on a personal level for them to trust you. Yes, it builds trust. And it's it's just that, one, you're taking the time and effort. And two, I think it also helps you better understand why people may do the things that they do. That makes a lot of sense. What advice would you have for younger professionals looking to sort of have the career you've had and build their career with larger companies? Because as I look over your background, you've worked at large organizations, but you've also moved up, you know, the the time at PwC, of course. But You've been presented with, I hate to say bigger and better, but bigger and better opportunities you know, along the way, and they've all built on each other. What do you feel made that happen for you? I think one of the key things is you must always have that desire of critical thinking and willing to think about new and different ideas and how you might present those ideas. Again, I think while people talk about networking a lot of times outside of the firm, I always say you really want to get to know the people within the organization because that's how you find out what projects are going on, who are the resources that can help you with things to be successful. And without question, you must be willing to be part of a team because no one is on an island as you migrate within an organization, as you're trying to get resources, whether it's financial or people resources. You need to be able to be a team player, know when you might need to lead, and know when sometimes it's important for you to be a follower per se, but be able to work on teams is just so necessary and so important these days as organizations continue to grow. And lastly, you always want to think about how do you take prudent risks but realizing that you're accountable for them, meaning when you do do things that kind of push the envelope in a positive way because you've been thinking about something, you're trying to come up with an idea, you're trying to communicate something, 
you want to make sure that you realize, hey, you must stay accountable for those actions. And one, when you make a mistake, you admit to it and you figure out what you can do to fix that situation. And I said lastly, but really the thing that circles around all of that is you must be able to be an effective communicator because even if you have great ideas, but if no one really understands or hears what you're saying, it does not help the organization or you when you're unable to effectively communicate, whether it's in small meeting settings, presenting to leadership teams, presenting to your colleagues. You must be able to try to deliver from the communication standpoint to present your ideas and thoughts. When you think about learning yourself, learning that critical thinking is important and networking within your own company and knowing when to be a follower, it sounds like you've had some really good mentors. Is there anybody that comes to mind that you feel just really made a difference in in your career, your ability to learn these things? I will have to say it's the collection of people, but I'll go to you know one of the gentlemen who I started my career with, a partner at, at PwC, and his big thing was it started me on the direction of thinking, meaning we're all asked to be thinkers in the sense that when you're coming up and you're talking to someone, his challenge to me, he asked me a question once, which was, I was brought up an issue we were having. And his question to me that has stuck with me throughout my career was, what would you do? What is your recommended solution? And this was early in my career. My first thought was, isn't that what they pay you to do to tell me what that is? But it really (laughs) opened my eyes to the fact that, hey, I need to be thinking, thinking. That's what they're hopefully getting from me. And so, one, it helps me put forward the thoughts and ideas that I may have. And then two, you get direct feedback. Either one, your idea, you are on the right track, continue, or or you get corrective instruction. Well, the way you thought about that may not be right, but here's what you might do differently. But at a minimum, you've helped the other person better prepare. And two, you have taken the time to think about it, so you're leveraging the skills that you have. And I thought this was a gentleman by the name of Leo Cannon that was a partner at PwC, has since passed away. But that mindset, at first, I was a little bit humbled and embarrassed by it, but I have never forgotten that feedback. Mm-hmm. Usually the lessons that humble you and embarrass you a little bit are the best ones. <laughs> no, it was because I, I was just a staff person. I'm like, hey, I have an issue. Uh, what do I need to do? And it was like, well, what would you do if you were in charge? And I was stuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you for going all through that, too. I, I would love to go through all the details of each position, but I, I know you're limited on time. And, and I, that would be a few different episodes, I, I'm sure. So before we get to the final questions, one of the questions I always like to add in is if you could go back and give your younger self just one piece of advice, what do you think that might be? I would say, Mark, enjoy the journey. And what I mean by that is, as I looked back and you start your career, first of all, you've come, by the time you get to starting your career, you've been going through, okay, I've been in elementary school, I've been in middle school, I've been in high school, I'm in college, now I'm ready to start my career. Everything has been, I got to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. 
And sometimes we need to step back and say, hey, I'm learning as long as I'm always continuing to learn. Enjoy the opportunities that are presented to me. Leverage them because so many relate you know, the people you get to work with, the opportunities you get. If you just step back and enjoy those, and not always be direct focused on what is my next opportunity. Enjoy where you are and the success that you're bringing to an organization or that you're having from the projects you're working on, and take pride in that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm a little guilty of that myself. I think everyone is. It's just because we're so used to migrating and being successful. It's like, well, when you think back to every project you may have been on, you go, God, I wish I had been enjoying those three years when we were doing this before we really completed it and and take in, you know, kind of the old saying, take some time to smell the roses. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. I, I want to be respectful of your time, and so I do want to get to the, the final three questions. So the first one, and, and usually the easiest for our guest, is what's been your proudest moment? The thing that has made me the most proud is as I progressed in my career, a lot of times it was about things that I had done, but my proudest moment was when people who worked for me came up to me and said, hey, Thanks for the way you were leading our group or you helped me in this area. It helped me to be successful in the roles that I have taken, either in the organization they were still with me or that they took later on. That, to me, just changed my whole perspective and gave me a great sense of joy of, hey, you are having the opportunity to have an impact on others in their career and how they can be successful. It's just the whole concept of passing it on. And it really hit me when someone said that. And you know, I really have enjoyed those stories and opportunities when you can get to help someone else be successful in what they're trying to do. Sure. Sure. It's not quite the same as seeing your kids grow up, but it's pretty darn close. <laughs> yes, it most certainly is because you just feel what you did and what you were trying to do. Someone felt good about it and you, you had an impact on them. It's just an incredible feeling. There you go. Well, tell us about a mistake you've made and, and of course, what you learned from it as well. But frankly, the bigger, the better. We like the big mistakes. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's see. The one that comes to mind was a combination mistake in the sense that we were looking to roll out a, a new fixed asset system in one of my prior jobs. And it was a disaster. It just was not going as planned. And to have to go to senior management and say, hey, we spent all this money and we are not getting the tools and the process change that we need was just a humbling experience. Yet, what I learned from having to go there and explain that we were not getting what we had spent all this money on and that we needed to continue to spend some more money and here, here's how we would do it was, I had done a disservice to the people who I had leading that project. And what I mean by that, Mark, is I had kind of made an assessment that, hey, I need to get my folks who have all the experience, who have done all the systems work on the old system we had, they created it. I needed to use them to bring in a new system because they would understand all the things we would need in the system. 
But quite honestly, I did them a disservice and the company a disservice because the reality was all they knew was the system that they created and all they did was try to take a new system that we needed to change our process and try to make it look like the old process that we had. So two things, it was one, I did a disservice to them by not thinking about, hey, they could be more valuable on the outside looking in and to bringing other people in who would be open to new and different things because they hadn't created the other, the older process. And two, staying connected with them so that we could see that that was going on and be able to quickly work with management to come up with a corrective action. So it was a very humbling experience in that you're very nervous, but One, I learned you have to take accountability for what you have to do. And then you have to then look back and say, what would I do differently? And once I sat down with some of my partners on that process, I realized that there were things that could be learned that I have never, never made that type of decision again, whereby I didn't look at, hey, what are the benefits for the process as well as the people involved with the process? There you go. There you go. Yeah, we all make mistakes. It's all a matter of if you learn from them or not. Right. (laughs) I will never make that mistake again. (laughs) Well, last question, and and then we'll wrap it up. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? One of them I kind of gave you already, but uh, about you must always think and bring forward what you would recommend. But the other piece of advice I got from someone was, you have two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. (laughs) That's a classic. (laughs) I have stolen that and used it over and over, but it's so true. I not only think it's critical in the workplace, but I've even tried to tell my children, but they don't always listen to me on that front. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you again. I really appreciate you sharing with us. I, I really found a lot of insight in the comment about networking within your firm, because I I know particularly for younger professionals, you know, they tend to hear network in terms of networking outside of where they're working. But you're the first person to give that advice to network. And and, and when I say that, Mark, I network can sometimes have a bad connotation to people, but it's really get to know others in the organization, your peers, people who work for you. It's just trying to get to know more people in the organization that expands your resource of knowledge within the enterprise. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me, Sly, with our audience. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Really have enjoyed it. Well, for our audience, this has been another episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accounts Go podcast. If you haven't yet visited our home website, please do so. You can find links to certifications, but of course, the show notes to this episode, as well as the the last year's worth of episodes that we've produced. And that website is www.whereaccountantsgo.com. That's whereaccountantsgo.com. On that note, Sly, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for the audience? My key comment would be never stop learning. Always be open to new ideas and continue that journey. Beautiful. That's very well said. Well, thank you to the audience again for joining us. Have a great week. There's more to come.